Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football, presented by Adam Lowy of the Lowy Law Firm. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined each and every morning by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of On3 and Inside Texas. And guys, the chat's already on fire about it, so we're yes. going to jump right into it. Uh, the College Football Playoff Committee, of course, comes out, ranks numbers te- uh, ranks Texas number seven last night. And then Boo Corgan had some comments that really has fired the chat up and lots of other Longhorn Nation. So I'm just going to kick it over to you all and let you get your thoughts. Well, my, my thoughts are that nothing Boo Corgan says really makes sense, but it, it's a nonsensical world right now. Uh, you know, until these games are played on Saturday, I don't know that the ratings matter all that much, although this is, is clearly true. The playoff committee is ready to put Oregon in if they win. That's that's what I get at. So they will be the first one loss team in most likely if they win. Um, beyond that, it's 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 uh, wait and see. I do think that Texas is poised to jump into the top four if there's a Florida State loss or, or another loss from a uh, un, unbeaten team other than Washington. Right. So that that's my takeaway, uh, regardless of uh, what Boo Radley says about <laughs> Boo Radley. Boo Corrigan says about uh, about uh, uh, about Bo Nix's completion percentage. So there there you go. I mean, what an insult. I, I mean, I, I'm not going to go off like I did last night. Um, I, I'm not going to do that. Other than to say the best uh, – this is the only time I'll reference Chris Beard this year. The best part about listening to Boo Weekly speak last uh, – Boo Weekly, because that was the PJ Tour golfer I actually like. Boo Corrigan to mumble and stumble last night and talk about completion percentage was that Chris Beard beat the hell out of NC State last night in, in Oxford. So I thought – I got a little uh, satisfaction out of that. So uh, I, I've said what I'm going to say on it. Look, tech, it's just everything remains the same. Texas needs a uh, loss by FSU. That's really what this is all going to come down to. Uh, Louisville, this, if you've never cheered for Louisville um, since the Denny Crum days, you need to cheer for Louisville Saturday. Uh, they, they, Louisville needs to beat FSU. Uh, Rod Babers is hoping for chaos all around, like an Alabama beats Georgia and FSU loses, then just chaos. Um, I, I don't think that would hurt either, but I do think uh, Texas' best path is, is pretty simple here. Georgia beats Alabama in a close game. Uh, it doesn't matter, Washington, Oregon. I mean, Iowa, poor Iowa. I, I mean, I, I think Harbaugh is going to make a statement in this game and shove it up the Big Tens. You know what? Um, so then it just comes down to Florida State, man. I mean, if Ohio State not – I know Ohio State's ahead of Texas now, but Ohio State not playing in their conference championship game. If Texas goes out and handles business and looks good doing so and FSU loses, I think Texas will be the uh, number four seed. Uh, one thing I did want to bring up, guys, and give me just a second here. There, I mean, it's not just Longhorn fans or, or y'all that noticed it. Uh, but first, I want to bring up this one from John Bianco here, this tweet. And he said, I heard the college football playoff discussion about common opponents was curious. So hit refresh on Oregon versus Texas Tech. Only difference in that game was the Red Raiders fell the two-point conversion with Ducks ahead 31-30 with a minute 10 remaining. Tech threw a pick six with 35 seconds left in the 38 to 30 loss. Uh, when John Bianco goes to the, goes to Twitter to, to, to fight uh, for those that don't know, John is the uh, head of uh, communications uh, sports information department at the university of Texas, a uh, longtime employee there. Um, and when he goes to, to this, uh, it's, uh, it's one of those things that people have to get ready for, because this is going to be the, 
the rallying cry somewhat. Uh, and John, you know what? He's right. Uh, so uh, the the idea that um, the playoff committee has a set of rules that they're supposed to follow and then they ignore, it's just kind of funny. I mean, they're supposed to go after conference champions first. Second is head to head. Third is common opponents. Well, I mean, Oregon has as many losses as Texas, right? As many losses as Texas. They don't have a head-to-head, but they do have one singular common opponent. Texas won by 50, Oregon won by eight. What do you want to do? I mean, I don't know. This is why you have guidelines in the first place, fellas, and then you don't apply them. But, you know, frankly, we've all seen this through the years with these kind of revolving door committees that don't know what's what about college football. I mean, what what is a, an administrator doing involved in the selection of college football teams in the first place? I mean, that, uh, yeah, bring up Joel Klatt's tweet now. That's perfect segue. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I am going to do. Hey, by the way, first, everybody's asking about Amari Abor, the D, uh, DN from Duncanville that's in the portal from Ohio State. I don't think Texas will have interest there. I got Joe Clatt. The, the idea that a room full of administrators, for the most part, are the best we can do to rank college football teams properly is laughable. These rankings are just silly. Great tweet by Joel Clatt. Couldn't agree more. Um, I, I it, Look, if that's the best you can put uh, forward to speak about this, you, you shouldn't be doing the rankings, by the way. I, I'll just be real. If that's the best you're, you're going to put forward to justify rankings, you shouldn't be doing them. And I know they got their get-out-of-jail card. Lash, hey, this we were put in here to help a bad process, but we helped get this to a 12-team. That's what they're going to say to the one the one or two teams that feel like they got hosed in this. Um, and I'm not saying it's an easy job this year, but they're not giving – Bobby, There's it doesn't feel like there's any consistency in what they're doing. And that's the issue for people in all, in, in things like this, where's your consistency? Yeah. I, he, they don't have any because they right. don't follow the rules, right? Their own rules that yep. they've got, you know, is what, like uh, what I was saying there, they literally don't follow their own rules. And when they, when you don't do that, you look like the fool. And for him to mention, the person just said that for him to mention Bo Nix's completion percentage, I mean, okay, let's talk about third down, third down stops by the University of Texas. Let, yeah. Let's talk about that being number one in the nation. I mean, that's just such an arbitrary thing to cling to that it's almost laughable. I mean, what it, it makes no sense to cling to a quarterback's completion percentage. Then Dylan Gabriel should be Oklahoma should be up there. Look right. at his completion percentage. You know that. Or maybe we should look back to Colt McCoy in 2008. All right. Bring and that team back together. Why wasn't that brought up then? <laughs> so arbitrary. Yeah. All right, Joe. One thing I did forget to mention uh, when we opened the show is that Tom Luganville from ESPN will be joining us today. He has a lot to say. He had a pretty good argument this past Friday um, about why Texas should be in the playoffs. So we'll hear more from him here shortly. But, Jerry, one thing we need to get to is recruiting. I know you touched on a transfer portal prospect that people are talking about. But you had uh, a couple of notes about some high school prospects this morning over on Inside Texas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Xavier feels same. Things uh, uh, continue to be uh, Texas moving in, in, in a good direction there. A lot of work to do, though. 
Um, but, uh, you know, I, I can say that uh, X has uh, been watching a lot of – Xavier's been watching a lot of Texas games here um, in the last few days, really getting a feel for, um, you know, that the safety play, the scheme. So he's really doing his homework here um, on Texas. Um, and I think Texas has a legitimate shot there. Uh, Jarrett Gibson, I spoke with somebody close to the IMG program this morning, and they don't expect Jarrett Gibson to flip to Florida. You know, look, anything can happen. It's recruiting, right? But they, they don't they expect him to stick with Texas. Um, J- now, Jarrett Gibson's dad's a huge Florida Gators fan. Jarrett was once committed to Florida, decommitted shortly after Billy Napier was hired. Uh, so they're going to show up at Florida games. They live in Gainesville. Um, but, uh, you know, his, his dad is also happy with his initial decision to go to Texas. But uh, IMG doesn't expect him to flip people around IMG right now. We'll see where it goes. But I kind of those guys have been spot on about that recruitment the whole way through. So we'll see. Um, and then Terrence Hibbler, I can confirm that Alabama, the D lineman from uh, Lexington, Holmes, Mississippi, Holmes County, uh, currently committed to Mississippi State. Alabama does want him. They've been trying to get him to a practice this week. They are recruiting him. Auburn's also trying to get in there. Um, I was told by somebody um, uh, that I, I've known for years in the, in, in the Magnolia State there that, uh, um, that if Hibbler opens up this recruitment, that they think Texas would be the favorite over Alabama. Now we'll see. It's a long way to go. I mean, even over what twenty three days. I was gonna say, is it a long way to go, Jerry? Right now, even over twenty three, twenty two days. I mean, it's, it's it's a long way for these kids. It's a long couple of weeks. The pressure is is on these kids. Um, but it just it this recruitment with Hibbler. One, if he has to open this thing up, but two, if he shows up on Bama's campus this week or next week, then, you know, it, it's really real. If he doesn't show up on another campus, you assume he'll go to Starkville at least once before signing day. You assume. Uh, I haven't heard he is, but uh, he's not likely to come back to Texas. He's already been to Texas twice, but he's talking to te- he's talked to Texas more than once in the last 72 hours. Hey, Jerry, one thing that people are wanting you to comment on, uh, Bill Thame, of course, went on Instagram Live like a night or two ago talking about how, you know, he had comments about Florida, basically, and we're we're having lots of people bring that up, wanting your take on that. Um, yeah, you know, look, I I I just think I think the recruitment is uh, um, the recruitment is um in the balance. I'll say that it's a shaky commitment for Florida. There you go. Uh, and then we got a couple other recruiting questions we're going to hit on real quick, guys. Antoine says, Jerry, any news on 2025 wide receiver Tristan Glass from Copper's Cove? Uh, you know, no, not that uh, not, and that's not a name I've heard at this point. Uh, but, you know, they'll have a lot of kids on campus in January. And then one other 25 prospect question. Where are we with DJ Sanders, the 25 defensive lineman from Belleville? He is a beast, says Britt Rasco. Yeah, that's a kid that really hasn't shown a lot of interest in Texas, whereas Zion Williams and Dylan Battle have. Um, you know, the question over Deion, DJ Sanders, some colleges think he's an offensive guard, some think he's a defensive lineman. I'm interested to see where guys kind of settle on him once they're out uh, evaluating him in person here, uh, because it looks like they'll keep playing. They've had a long season, so especially when those colleges go by that school in December. I'm interested to see how many schools re- recruit him as an OL versus a DL. Um, right now, there's some that like him at OL, some that look like DL. But I think the two in-state defensive tackles for Texas right now 
uh, to keep the eye on is Zion Williams and Dylan Battle at Mansfield Timberview. But Texas does have interest in Sanders. He's just not one that's reciprocated that interest like some others. All right, guys. Well, we got some super chats that we need to get to uh, real quick, kind of going back to the college football playoff stuff. Kyle Witherspoon says, we have hit every scenario. And last night, Jerry, you seem to be wavering on Alabama winning now and that keeping us out. Um, You know, it, it's interesting. By the way, people keep – we've had a lot of people coming in. They keep asking about uh, Amari Abor. I, I don't think Texas will have interest there. I'll, we'll see if I'm uh, wrong on that. They didn't really push for him late coming out of uh, out of Duncanville. So um, I, I don't see them making that push now, but we'll, we shall see. Um, you know, Bobby, I, I've gone back and forth on that a little bit, but I, I still think the best scenario for Texas is Louisville winning and Alabama losing close to Georgia. I, I don't think it matters. Um, I think if Alabama wins and Texas wins, Texas should be in because there's a head-to-head and a conference championship. I agree with that, but is that what they would do? Now, I, I have no clue what this committee will do. <laughs> right. That's the problem. Right? Now, the only thing I can tell you is they're clearly overvaluing Oregon right now. Yeah. That's the only thing that is is very apparent. They are clearly overvaluing Oregon yeah. and are being stubborn about it. Um, and so, uh, you know, and somebody wrote this. Washington has been a lot like Texas this year, except Washington is undefeated, right? Washington's undefeated, and so they're they're ranked higher, but they've been having a lot of close games. So that's that's why Oregon has not had a lot of t- close games. They've been blowing people out. And so I, I feel like the committee thinks that's the safe pick, right? The fact that Oregon is ranked above Ohio State, if those two teams played each other, Ohio State would be favored. If Texas played Oregon, Texas would be favored, in my opinion. I'll just say that. So um, I, I feel like that that's where people are missing the point. But there's nothing you can do right now. I think if Alabama wins and I think if uh, FSU loses, either one of those scenarios, I think Texas is in so long as Texas takes care of business on Saturday morning. It can't be Texas got lucky or something like that. That could, that could change the calculus. It really could. Um, because all eyes are going to be on that game. All eyes are going to be on every single game this weekend. So that's, it's, it's, it is important. Texas needs to come out and play hard and, and play to win. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Hey, uh, before we get to the next question, I want to say thank you to our sponsor. Uh, every Wednesday's coffee and football is brought to you by our, our friend, Adam Lowy at the Lowy law firm. Uh, Adam has decades of experience in helping injured Texans recover funds uh, because they've been injured in a car wreck or on the job. Give them a shout, 512-280-0800, or visit him at lowylawfirm.com. One of the great things about Adam is they give you a free consultation uh, before you ever have to decide whether or not you're going to work with them. Again, 512-280-0800, or visit him at lowylawfirm.com. We appreciate Adam and his ongoing sponsorship of coffee and football, as well as on Texas football in general. Hey, one one more thing I want to mention, uh, and that's the transfer portal. After we talked a little bit about recruiting guys, uh, I I uh, uh, had a little note this morning uh, for everybody, guys. Uh, the portal opens December fourth. It's my understanding now that Steve Sarkeesian is expected to have meetings with every player on the roster starting after that game. 
So that's a lot of players to get through, 85. He'll also have to be on the road recruiting during that time too. But he is set to have meetings with those players that might, with every single player basically. Um, and it'll start on beginning on Sunday right after the game. So uh, be aware that we'll probably hear some names trickle in the portal the first week that have already kind of made up their mind, but the guys that are maybes or contemplating different scenarios, we may not hear that for another week, given the fact that um, Sark can't meet with all 85 in a single day, right? So just keep in mind uh, that that is part of the portal process at Texas. I don't expect a deluge on day one on December 4th for Texas. All right, guys. Well, we got a lot more super chats to get to, but before we do that, I am going to bring in Tom Tom Luganbill of ESPN. And Tom, how are you doing this morning? <laughs> hey, guys. How are we doing? Hey, my first question: Did Dave and Dusty ever find your a Wonderlook score? They were talking about it on air Friday night. <laughs> Thank God the CFL and the Arena Football League doesn't require one. <laughs> 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 Love it. <laughs> hey, hey, Tom, um, college football playoff rankings came out last night. Yeah. Texas 7, Alabama 8, Ohio State 6, right? I think we thought the chalk 1 to 5 was going to be the same. Yeah. Um, kind of what, what was your takeaway from that? Because obviously you had something to say about Texas there on Friday night during the 57-7 uh, beating of Texas Tech. Yeah, you know, listen, I, I think that the committee, when given the chance, will always default to the easiest choice that receives the least amount of criticism. So everything holds chalk last week. Um, and you you end up having, I, I, I don't disagree with what they came out with. It's easy to take all the teams with no loss, make sure you, that, that they're in there. But I also think, and and I really feel firmly about this, that all eyes are going to be on the ACC championship game this weekend. Okay. Because what happens with Florida state right now, you've got Georgia, Texas, and Alabama, and they need Florida state to lose. They, because I think the committee, whatever you think of Florida state, if you have a 13 and O power five conference champ, they're not leaving them out. They can't do it because if they did do it, it throws a grenade on the entire be uh, the 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 entire purpose of this whole thing, and that is to win all your games, to win your conference, and to earn a spot, right? So they can't they can't leave them out. But if they lose, okay, I think what's interesting is I think the power the 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 Pac-12 champ, regardless of who it is, is in, okay? Because I I really feel a lot of people, and myself included, I think Oregon's a top like two or three team in college football right now. I wouldn't play Oregon. They are really, really good. So I think the committee thinks that too, but until they beat Washington, if they beat Washington, they can't really say it and they can't move them up. So you're going to have your Pac-12 champion. If we assume Michigan goes undefeated, you're going to have that champion. Now let's let's play out a couple of scenarios that include obviously Texas. Because if Georgia's number one right now and Alabama were to beat Georgia, that would put the committee in a position, again, if Florida State loses, to have to drop Georgia from one to five. Because you would sit there and you'd say, well, we're going to take the SEC champ, right? We're going to take Alabama. Then we've got to take a Texas if they're the Big 12 champ and they hold the head-to-head card versus Alabama. Can you imagine the committee after what happened last year with TCU losing and not winning the Big 12, 
and going and absolutely getting throttled by Georgia and making the playoff. And then that same committee telling Georgia, you're going to go from one to five. And that's what they may be faced with here. So what happens in the ACC is a big deal for Alabama and for Texas. I think that this is one of those rare years, guys, where we could have at least two teams that are more than capable of winning the national championship, not play in the college football playoff. Boy, I I, I look at it uh, and I'm, I'm just, Jerry uses this idea, Tom, and I want to get your take on it, that this is the last year of the four team playoff. Mm -hmm. Okay. And they're going to the 12 team playoff next year. And so these guys on the 14 playoff boo, we, uh, I call him Boo Radley. Uh, But my my point is they have a get out of jail free card. Okay. They can say, oh, that you know, we're sorry. This is the hand we were dealt, right? It's crap. We all know it's crap, but hey, we're going to 12 teams next year. So don't don't uh rain on us. You know, don't don't cry foul. You you agree with that to some level? Yeah, probably. I mean, I think that. You know, what the committee needs to have happen is they need the teams that are favored to win the game to win the game. They need four undefeated teams so that they can step back, take their hands off of it and say, hey, they don't have a loss. They're all four in. Doesn't matter if they're the best four. I think this is one of those years, too. And I don't know if you guys agree where the whole debate between best team and most deserving is probably at an all time high. Because, listen, if you go and you run the gauntlet, if you're Washington, if you're Georgia, if you're Florida State, if you're Michigan, that is a difficult, difficult task to accomplish. But I would also make the argument that I don't know. I'm not convinced that Washington's better than Texas or Alabama. I'm not convinced that Florida State is better than Texas, Alabama. Um, I, I think Oregon's better than undefeated teams right now. So, that's where that's where we're at. And you're right. They, they can push. They can kick the can forward and say, well, don't worry. This will resolve itself. But we're not there yet. And, and the reality is, I think that the, the committee, when they first formed the committee and they started to you know, create the, the bylaws and the legislation, legislation, uh, legislation and the language that they were going to use, they never, ever, ever should have used the terms best four teams. They should have stayed away from that. Because the moment you do that, you're now you're now forcing people, the public and everybody, to look at the best four teams now, like right now, which may not be the best four teams eight weeks ago. So loss, undefeated, what have you? Um, like, okay, so I'll give you. Let's let's talk about Texas for a second. Does anybody think that Oklahoma is better than Texas right now? No, no. But Oklahoma won the game right then, not now. Okay, so are we then going to take, or are we going to say that Texas isn't one of the best four teams like right now? I think you could make a clear argument that they're one of the top four teams, certainly one of the top five teams, but I think you could make that same argument with with Alabama in terms of their level of improvement, how much better they they have gotten. And so we're in, we're in a little bit of a pickle here as it relates to most deserving versus best team. Hey, Tom, uh, you got to see Arch Manning's first action. You were right there on the sidelines. <laughs> I, I know there wasn't a lot, but what were your takeaways? That I've never been on a field on 
any in any stadium, regardless of level of sport, where I've heard such an uproar of applause for a handoff. <laughs> it was the most magical golden handoff in the history of the sport of football. And to be honest with you guys, this was something Sark wanted to do when we had their game against BYU. Like the whole entire plan was let's get this guy playing. We've got they they had they had mapped out the number of games. They knew they were near the end of the season. They could play him and not risk the red shirt. Um, and the and the the way the games unfolded, it just didn't allow for him to do it. And and Sark was very transparent with us about that. He goes, I don't want to throw him to the wolves. I don't want to put him in a situation where the game's close and we play him just to play him. We need to be in the right situation to play him. And on um, you know, last Friday night they were in the right situation to play him. You know, the the thing about him is um the athletic side of it, and I know it's a listen, you guys are familiar with with high school football across this country. And, you know, he was not playing at a high level of high school football. I mean, you're you're in you're in a private school level, um, probably not overly challenged. Things are fairly easy for him. And I think that's the best, the the best thing that could have happened for him was to have this season play out exactly the way that it did. Learn, grow, develop, um, not be thrown to the wolves, not have the weight of the world on your shoulders. I mean, like I just said, guys, he came into the game, they handed the ball off, and you would have thought it was the Super Bowl. <laughs> so imagine what would have happened to that young man if he's thrust into duty in week two and has to play the entire season, and maybe he's not ready for it, right? If the kid's last name is any other name but Manning, then it's an entirely different conversation. But that's the reality of the situation. I think he is super athletic. I didn't realize how much bigger he had gotten until I saw him in the in pregame warmups in the BYU game. And he's not as tall as Eli. He's close, but he's he's so athletic. Like that's the thing that's like stands out is his ability to create. He showed a little bit of that too on Friday night. And I think that's the thing that makes him a bit unique in relationship to his relatives. I mean, he's, I said this on the air on Friday night, he's so much more like Archie than he is like the other two. Hey, hey Tom, uh, you mentioned and talk about uh, that. Uh, one of the things that, that I was, was uh, noticing is, you know, his second drive, it's an eight minute drive. Yeah. And he, he just seemed to Jerry used the term slick uh, poised. Mm-hmm. Pretty poised uh, for a young quarterback. Poised, uh, unfazed. He yeah. knew what was going on around him. I mean, he could hear it. We could all, I mean, in that stadium, I mean, it was, I mean, given where the game was and how out of hand it was and the fact that the drive really didn't matter to anybody but the University of Texas. And he just operated the offense. I think that's the other thing. Just didn't play beyond himself. Um the call comes in, makes the call, decisive in his decision-making, runs the offense. And that, um, I think that was what Sark was hoping to see because he didn't allow him. I mean, eh, listen, he think about it, guys. He could have he could have dropped back on the first attempt and just airmailed the throw. Just out of pure adrenaline, right? He could have done one of two things. He could have airmailed it into the seventh row or he could have one-hopped a bubble screen. Right. And you'd have been like, oh, geez. Right. You know, but he didn't get caught up in the moment. I think that's really important. 
Hey, by the way, you know who won't get a standing ovation and raucous uh, ovation for a handoff? Mario Cristobal. But uh, that's another conversation. <laughs> okay. Uh, hey, hey, Tom, Texas, what they've done, I think, was that your first night game you've called there in Austin? Yeah, yeah, it was. I've had well, several day games. about the environment. You go everywhere in college football. What's Chris Del Conte and the university's done? How would you, where would you put that environment for Texas? I know you don't do a lot of night games necessarily, but you've been everywhere in college football. Yeah. Where, what were your thoughts on that, that environment and what Texas has done there to be so fan friendly? Um, and it, because all the responses from uh, fans and recruits have been off the charts. Yeah, I mean, it was an electrifying atmosphere. I, there, there's no doubt. I think the one thing that's a bit of a challenge for Texas, and it's it's not really their fault. It's just the way the thing is configured is they don't have the ability to put the fans in one of the two end, uh, the students in one of the two end zones, right? And when you look at an Auburn, you look at a Utah, you look at some of these places and where they strategically placed, it, it creates some problems if you get backed up on offense. But what I thought was, um, was, was really impressive was the consistency of distraction noise um there were there weren't lulls like the, i think that's the one thing sometimes you go into the, some of these stadiums and fans can get distracted they can get caught up in conversation or they this and that and you have a tv timeout blah 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 man we'd be in tv timeout and it was it was loud i actually took some like video especially when you know you, you in between breaks or in between quarters and they bring down the lights right and you're flashing the the burn orange and the and the in the LED, leds and then you get the music going and they did a lot of the stuff, you know, with the cell phone, um, the cell phone uh, flashlights. And I actually took video of it and I sent it to my son. I'm like, dude, look at this atmosphere here. This is like, this is like really, really cool. Then he sends it to my wife. <laughs> and so, no, it was good. I mean, listen, I think there's some places in college football like LSU at night versus a ranked team. Um, Auburn is an absolute nightmare. Uh, the most underrated place that people don't, aren't aware of until they go is Washington. Um, if you've ever been to a game at Washington, or if you haven't go to a game at Washington. Um, but I have, I've been to, to a lot of different places. I do think the day and the nighttime atmosphere is different. Like that was, I had, um, I had Texas, uh, for, um, let's see, TCU and Baylor at night on the road. And then BYU and Texas tech at home in the BYU game was during the day. And it was different. And I, maybe that was a bit of, um, a result of who the opponent was and given the comments of Brett Yormark in, in August, as it related to Texas tech in Texas and Oklahoma, and maybe that added a little flair. Like I'll, I'll be the first one to say Steve Sarkeesian has the utmost respect for Joey McGuire and, and, and Texas tech. So them not, you know, taking a knee, them not just like running the ball. That wasn't, that wasn't a message to Joey McGuire. That was a message to the conference. Yeah. <laughs> Bottom line. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. I, uh, um, oh, Bobby, if you got something else, go yeah, ahead. No, I was going to. So, Tom, are you are you calling any games this weekend? What What's your plans? Ah, no, actually, our crew is off, which is fantastic. So I'm going up to Vermont with my wife. and First gonna... time in a while for you. <laughs> oh, dude, I'm telling you right, dude. I, but here's the thing. So I got so I'm off this weekend. But then the following weekend, I have an FCS quarterfinal game, awesome. which and I'm in the booth, but it may be at South Dakota State. Oh, no. That, oh. And they don't play in one of those domes. Oh. <laughs> oh. 
So I, I'll be there. And then the following week, I have um, – do you remember the Bahamas Bowl? Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So the, the situation down in the Bahamas with that stadium had gotten so dire that they're like, we can't do that anymore. So we're going to move it to Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh. So the one year I get assigned a non-New Year's Six Bowl game, I get the Bahamas Bowl that is now in Charlotte. 12 miles from your house. <laughs> yes. And so I have the, the Bahamas Bowl on um, – on December 18th, and then we'll go to Bristol for signing day um, and then come back home, and then we got the Cotton Bowl, um, and then, of course, the Under Armour All-American game. But this yeah. weekend is going to be going to be nice. We found out a few weekends ago that we weren't going to have one, and I'm like, all right, let's go, honey. A little bit of a trip. There you go. Get out of here. Hey, I, I, have a question. Was, I forgot what I was going to ask you. Now I remember. Have you ever seen fourth and goal from the 31 completed to win a game? <laughs> I have never seen it. I've also never seen a two-man rush with a late-added third spy on the center. <laughs> like, dude, if he takes – I mean, listen, I understand. There, remember before there was the third and 20 or whatever it was, and he caught 19, and they had that collision right. down there? Right. So I get it. Like, you're like you're scared to death of the guy's legs, and you're worried about – dude, he literally has to score from, like, 34 yards for that to, to uh, convert, like – at least rush four, at least put him under duress. Like, even if you don't have to run man to man, you don't have to have your backs turned, but maybe you do a fire zone or you do something like that and you're facing the quarterback. If he takes off, he's going to have to make like what? Yeah, he's going to have to make eight guys, guys miss zigzagging across the field. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so the call on defense was just, and then the, the fact that the fact that on the fourth and 31, that they botched the back end and the safety jumps the in route and like, have you okay? I'll ask you this question, Jerry. Have you ever seen a fourth and thirty-one where the guy catching the ball is single covered <laughs> with like, nine men with eight men in the backfield? Oh my goodness! <laughs> wow, what a game, dude! I like. I'll tell you what. How close were we outside? Really, to be honest with you, outside of the Texas game on Friday night, we were this close to complete and utter Armageddon in college yeah. football. Washington, Washington State, Florida, Florida State, Alabama, Auburn. Oh my goodness! What 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 could have been? Hey, last thing I have for you, Tom. All, right. All Texas fans focus are going to be focused, assuming Texas handles their business at 11 a.m. Saturday, on the ACC championship yeah. game. You have any thoughts on Louisville FSU minus Jordan Travis? Listen, um, you know, I had FSU a couple times this year. I've had Texas four times. Texas is a better team right now than Florida State is, in my opinion. Now, Texas isn't undefeated. Florida State is. Where Florida State has done a really, really good job is is managing like the expectations and dealing with each and every week as it comes and not getting caught up in the hype and and you know the attaboys and the pats on the back. They have they have something in Tate Rodemaker um, that most people don't have in their backup, and that is somebody that's actually played a lot of football. Like he went to Louisville, won him a game at Louisville. If you guys remember that, played really, really well. So I feel. Like, they're more comfortable with their backup than most people would be. But here's what I would look for in that game. Louisville has the ability to score and score quickly and score a lot. I don't think Florida State wants to get into a track meet. And if for some reason Louisville were able to do that and get up early and and put some points on the board, I think that puts Florida State in a position where they are not comfortable. That's That's not their game. That is that is not their game, and so let's see uh, let's see if defensively Florida State, um, which at times has been very good, and really the first five six weeks of the season they were not very good. Like statistically, Florida State was not a good football team despite their good players. 
on defense. So let's see if they can avoid a track meet. If they avoid a track meet, Florida State wins. If not, uh, I wouldn't count out Louisville. They started uh, Florida State open as a five-point favorite. Yeah. Down to two. Uh, there's some thoughts that Rodemaker may be on the sidelines for this game, given he was nearly concussed. Or if he was sandwiched. Yes. Like, that was brutal. But then he came back in the game. I know. That's what they're saying. So. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> so who's QB three? I don't look. That's that's speculation. But you don't have a three point jump in a game in a conference title game unless something weird is going on. There's a reason why Las Vegas is in business. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well put. Well put. All right, hey Tom. Thank you so much, man. We appreciate you uh, each and every day. Uh, each and every time you come on, uh, enjoy your work uh, for ESPN. Tell folks a little bit about your podcast again, if you don't mind. Yeah, so um, I'm a part of a group called Disrupt the Media. And we do we do three, basically 45-minute to an hour shows a, a week. And, you know, we, a lot of it's X's and O's and, and breakdowns and things of that nature. But then some of it's like pop culture and movies and TV shows. Jerry knows I love friggin' <laughs> movies and all that crap. Like, that's my escape from, from this crazy sport. So, um work with these guys in Birmingham, uh, at the next round. Um, and, uh, it's been, a, it's been a lot of fun. This is my first fall doing it. And, uh, it's gone, it's gone really, really well. And it, it's a little different than what we do, what we would do on t television because it's just a different setting. It's a little bit more conversational as you guys know, and doing the show that you're doing right now that I'm doing with you guys. So, uh, it's a lot of fun. And, uh, but it's uh, made my weeks a little bit busier. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to not having a game this week and being able to just relax a little bit. Good for you, man. Thank you very much, Tom. We'll see you in yeah. Orlando, my friend. Yeah, we'll see you there, man. Have a good one, guys. All right, take care of yourself. Have yeah. a good one. Tom Luganville, a good, good guest, always informative, always opinionated. Uh, good takes, in my opinion. I mean, he's right. I mean, it's, how do you take – how do you keep a 13-0 team out of the college football playoff in a mate from a major conference. Yeah. You just, I know Paul Feinbaum was advocating for it yesterday, but I, I just don't think you can do that. I, I, you know, if it were Texas and they lost Quinn Ewers two weeks ago and Malik Murphy or Arch Manning had come in and led them to two victories or three, the case may be, you, you just can't, it, it'd be hard for me to say that, that you could take, keep Texas out of the, the playoffs. Yep. No doubt about it. All right, guys, we got a lot more Super Chats that we need to get to. Um, and Tubbin, Texas, actually has an idea for the College Football Playoff Committee. It says, good morning. It's more than likely Texas gets the shaft on Sunday. Next year, scrap the committee. Let the BCS computers pick the 12 teams. BCS computer didn't work in 08, so no. <laughs> Look, I mean, get get five to ten people that actually know college football and go from there. I mean, add Joel Klatt. Joel Klatt's a perfect example. Yeah. I mean, look, he's a guy. I mean, you could have, I don't know. I mean, pick a guy from the Big Ten. that Pick pick two guys from each conference that represent the, the five major conferences and do it that way, not the athletic director at NC State, who, you know, is insular, right, and only sees his team typically um, and doesn't really know the the – the landscape like that. that that's the problem. Um, I don't think BCS is the answer either, uh, by the way. 
Uh, somebody asked, so I, I'll answer this. Somebody asked specifically if I worked with Tom at ESPN. Yeah, we used to, we worked together for about a decade. Used to do the ESPN Recruiting Nation shows out of uh, ESPNU there in Charlotte. Under Armour practices every year on ESPN2 and ESPNU. Yeah, we, Tom's a great dude, great guy to work with. All right, guys. And then we have another super chat here. Uh, it's more of a comment from Jerry's Jack Links. He says, of all the committees, I think this is the seventh worst one. <laughs> this is bad. It's bad that you have to rank them. <laughs> that, that's yeah. just the problem. They're, they're all bad. <laughs> athletic directors think athletic directors should choose. That's the problem. Not people that actually watch all the games. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Hey, uh, we got another Super Chat comment from Gamers Life. He says, I never thought nepotism was that bad till Boo spoke. Also, I'm married to an FSU alumni, so I need a happy home Saturday. Let's go, <laughs> Iowa. Hook oh, up. man, I hope, I, hope, I hope that's not dependent on Iowa winning. Uh, yeah, yeah. Look, I, I, got, I, I, I got a thought on the Iowa-Michigan, too. One, I'm not sure Iowa gets – I've been saying 165 yards. I mean, if they're, unless there's a busted coverage or busted run fit, I just don't see it. And two, I do think Jim Harbaugh is going to put it to those guys just to shove it up the Big Ten. And it's kind of what it's kind of what uh, Tom Luganbill was saying to yes. what Sark not just sitting on the ball throwing a yes. couple passes. It wasn't because it was about Joey McGuire. It was about the the other parties involved in that. Yep. And he's going to shove it up there, and then he's in the press conference afterwards. He is going to talk. All right. We got another super chat comment. This one from Gage Sheets. Want to thank Gage. He says, UT struggles against inferior teams. Narrative is a Fugazi, especially yours, has been fully healthy. UT has won by double digits. I'd like to see Oregon-Washington win multiple games without their QB1. I can tell you Washington wouldn't have. Um, I don't even know who the backup is at Oregon, but he you're talking about the Heisman Trophy winner. He fundamentally changes the game if he's out, I would assume. Yeah. Um, I will say that the the Kansas State win, if you look at it with your backup quarterback, that's an impressive win, guys. Yeah. They Kansas mean, State's top 25. Yeah. I mean, that's an impressive win. And then one more that we're going to get to real quick. Another one from Jerry's Jack Links. I want to thank him again. He says, let's not forget the committee will be in DFW watching all the games together for the first time all year. It's time to dominate. Oh, boy. 
Yeah, what is going to go on in that? I mean, Jerry's Jack links are going to be there served, no, no doubt. <laughs> you know, I, I think that you know we can make fun of these guys all they want, but they hold Texas's future in its hands. I mean, that's the sad fact of the matter. Um, the only thing that we can hope for is clarity. Um, and that would include Florida State losing, Texas winning. Then you get clarity. Then you're one of the uh, conference champions with one loss. You know, and I think you're in at that point. Yeah. When Florida State lose, you're in. That's the easiest path. There are other paths, but they are less likely, in my opinion. Like, I don't think it's likely that Alabama beats Georgia. I'd give Alabama about, what, a 10% chance of winning that game, Jerry? Yeah. What, what seriously? What would you give Alabama a chance to win in that game? Uh, I put it about 75-25. I think Georgia is gonna. I, I think the problem for Alabama in that game is is Georgia between Kirby Smart, Muschamp, Schumann. They're gonna make Jalen Milrow make big boy quarterback throws that he hasn't had to make in some games this season. Uh, they have the personnel to do it. Um, and I think that we're going to see if Milrow gets it done, they're going to have a shot to win the game. If he doesn't, I could see Georgia winning, you know, a couple touchdowns. All right, guys. Well, uh, we started this earlier this week, and today is day three of the 12 days of Christmas. And, Bobby, I'm going to let you tell everybody what exactly that is. Yeah, this is a Yeti mug that has a Longhorn on it. Uh, it's from our friends at the co-op. Uh, you guys know I wear a lot of Texas gear, hats shirts, etc. cetera. Uh, I've been uh, using this uh, Yeti for a couple of weeks now. I uh, really enjoy it. Uh, this is from the co-op. Uh, they are sponsoring our 12 days of Christmas in part. Uh, so if, if you can want to find gifts like this, the hat that I'm wearing today, the shirt that I'm wearing from 40 Acres Apparel, uh, it's all can be it all can be found at the University Co-op. Uh, so it's universitycoop.com. Been supporting Texas students since 1896. It's important to note that every single purchase uh, for the universe at, made at the co-op contributes to the scholarship fund for students. It is a the co-op is a nonprofit. All revenue and proceeds go back in to supporting student scholarships uh, for the University of Texas. Uh, go ahead and shop today for your Christmas present. Universitycoop.com. We appreciate them. Cheers. All right, y'all, we got one more super chat we got to get to before we change gears and talk about something different. But Kyle Witherspoon says, how many completions does yours need Saturday to overtake Nix's past the rating since this is now the criteria for Boo? Oh, yeah, he, he would need to hit probably hit on 100% because I think Bo Nix uh, torched, had a really good game against Washington, and I don't think Washington's got better on defense. So I, th I, think, I think Quinn would need to hit about 99%. It'd be high for sure. Hey, real quick, Bobby. You know, they still do the simulated BCS. There's a Twitter account for it. Casey actually brought up those rankings. And right now, if it were the BCS, it would be Georgia, Michigan, Washington, Florida State, Ohio State, Oregon, Texas, Bama in that order. So Texas is still number seven, regardless. Yeah. I I don't believe in computers that that, that way. I don't believe in um committees that aren't actually what I would consider true committees like I, I'll, I'll give you an example Condoleezza Rice was on a playoff committee tremendous representative of the United States in so many ways right 
Stanford grad, Secretary of State or whatever she was. What's she doing on a playoff committee? I mean, she's, I mean, that's kind of ridiculous. I mean, wh where do they come up with this stuff? Why would you, why would you not have people that actually go and watch the games and are involved intimately in college football? Now, the, 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 the problem, there are plenty of people out there like that, by the way. Right. The problem you have is who people can't agree on those people. So instead of agreeing on those people, they just go to an administrator that they think will be unbiased, like some guy at NC State. You know, sure, he's going to be unbiased towards ACC. That that doesn't work. So I, I feel like you need a that needs a relook. But other than that, I can't. I mean, Barry Alvarez was a good example. He was a he was a college football playoff member at one time on the committee. He knows college football. Tom Osborne was a playoff committee member at one point. He knows college football. Right. Why aren't you putting guys like that on that committee? Um, as long as they don't have some sort of backwards desire to put their buddies in the playoffs over somebody else, that conflict of interest can happen. But my, that's my point. Those guys can actually um, recuse themselves at some time, at some point, if they have too close a relationship with people. I, I would just like to see them pick more astute individuals about college football yeah. instead of administrators. Agree. All right, Joe, we're going to switch gears. We've talked about the college football playoff, the scenarios, all that stuff for a good while now. So how about some Oklahoma State talk as we gear sure. up to the Week 12 championship? <laughs> and uh, Peyton Ross says, over under three trick plays Gundy tries to run because he's outmatched this game. Well, I'm a man. I'm 48, so I can handle this conversation. Um, <laughs> let's see. Gundy, um, I would say over under three. I'm going to take a push on that, guys. Onside kick, fake field goal, fake punt. Um, Halfback pass. Hey, I mean, Texas Tech ran a good fake punt. They had a penalty. They saw something. Um, Oklahoma State will probably try to see something there because, well, I'll tell you why Gundy could throw a fake punt at you Saturday. Because of the comment he made in the press conference. He Because he was trying to turn the attention away from uh, the fourth uh, – the question about Byron Murphy and Sweat and how, how could they handle those guys. He said Texas is plus 300 in pump return yardage this year. And he said that's an exceptional stat. He's got to try to even out that battle somehow. And he knows it. He, do, he doesn't say that. Uh, that, that. That's not a statement I've heard another coach make when talking about Texas this year. Very interesting. I go with three also. Just tell you to, I go with three also. I think halfback pass because they are going to be crushing, crashing on the run. Yeah. We'll see. All right. Bevo78 says, why are we so sure that we're going to beat Oklahoma State? After all, they beat Oklahoma. I think sometimes it's matchups. I think Texas matches up well with Oklahoma State. I, I think for similar reasons um, that defensively they matched up well against uh, Texas Tech, even though I think Oklahoma State has a slightly better offensive line and, and their slot receiver is available this week where Miles Price wasn't last week. But I I just don't think Oklahoma State has the same vertical speed, that same talent they had at outside receiver uh, that they had for a lot of years under Gundy, similar to Texas Tech. So if those guys can't run, if you're not worried about just getting ripped and beat over the top, then you can play more press. You can press those guys a little bit more. 
Um, and, and then you have a quarterback that's not a mobile guy. He's a pocket guy. And Bowman's less mobile uh, than last week um, for Texas Tech. So there's some things there. Um, there's some pieces to that. And I also think Texas will walk, look at Oklahoma State's offensive line and say, yep, yeah, we, we can get pass rush. We don't have to send big numbers. We can get pass rush. So I think there's that matchup from the defensive uh, side of the ball. Offensively, I keep going back to UCF. UCF had two wide receivers, uh, both Georgia guys, if Ryan Nelson's on this chat. Javon Baker uh, transferred from Bama. They're both probably going to play in the NFL. So they had two wide receivers, and then they had a tight end who was a good athlete. He's not the player Sanders is, but he's a threat. So UCF's the only other team that Texas Tech uh, and uh, Oklahoma State faces in conference like that. And I know UCF has the quarterback run game that Texas doesn't have. But that UCF put stress on that defense at Texas Tech and Oklahoma State with those two wides and the tight end throw game possibility. I just think Texas matches up really well with Oklahoma State. Now they got to go do it. I think they match up well too. Uh, the 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 things you watch for in games like this uh, are turnovers, big plays, you know, freak plays that can happen. Um, I do think that the 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 thing that Oklahoma State has that Texas will have to watch out for is a pass rusher in Colin Oliver yeah. and Zach Martin, actually two of them. I think they have six and five sacks, respectively. Can't block uh, Colin Oliver or JT Sanders. Yeah, exactly. You can't block the tight the tight end should not be blocking Colin Oliver. Yeah. Now that 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 is especially not when you have a Quinn Ewers who we don't know if he's still if he's even a hundred percent right now, Jerry. He looked okay against Texas Tech, but um, so I, you, you mix all that together. Um, you think Texas is going to be able to run the ball, but you know, how healthy is, is CJ Baxter right now? Cause he's the, the pounded guy of that group. I mean, Jaden blue, isn't that neither is, uh, Trey Weiser, Savion red kind of has that approach, but it doesn't have the body for it. So there are, there are pieces of this where Texas is questionable at, but to your point, overwhelmingly, Texas should be able to throw the ball. Texas should be able to run the ball. Texas should be able to stop the run and limit the passing game, or at least limit the run and the passing game combined. Remember, Alan Bowman, you mentioned this. He's 10 of a, he has 10 touchdowns and 11 interceptions. So that means if you get pressure, you got. Yeah. And Texas has been good on third down. They've been good in the red zone. Uh, the, the thing that, that o, Oklahoma State has is they have a great player in Ollie Gordon. I'm not trying to make the comparison to Ricky Williams here, but Texas University of Texas with Ricky Williams won some games they wouldn't have otherwise because they were the team with the great player and the other team didn't have a great player. You know, Texas went up and beat Nebraska on some freaky throws by Major Applewhite and Ricky Williams pounding the rock. Ollie Gordon is that kind of guy, not saying he's in the same caliber. You know, if Alan Bowman can then you know, muster a little major apple white and hit somebody open, you know, that sort of stuff can happen. That's their path. Uh, but I think Texas, you know, Texas should be a better football team than Oklahoma state. And here's the other thing. It's a big time home game for Texas, big time home game for Texas. Uh, and I do think that will matter as well in a loud uh, environment there uh, for Oklahoma state. Uh, but I think, look, I think uh, Texas, if they, uh, if they weather the uh, Gundy storm, which I think uh, the other thing, though, I, here's what I think. I think Gundy's going to attack Texas because I think he knows he's too smart. He knows his pass rushes, uh, Texas pass rush is going to be an issue for him. 
wide receiver screen, running back screen game. And I, they I, love it, and they're good at it. And Texas Tech didn't really – couldn't really attack Texas like that. You know Oklahoma State's going to try to attack, attack Texas like that. And then we'll see how healthy Ollie Gordon is as the game moves along. I guess we're also getting lots of questions about the officiating crew. Bobby said yesterday, usually that's announced the day of. Might know much later in the week, but as of right now, no idea. And Bobby, with that said, I'm going to let you tell everybody about Adam Lowy and the Lowy Law Firm. Yeah, Adam is a friend of the program. He not only sponsors coffee and football, but also Rapid Reactions, uh, as well as stay of the program. We appreciate his uh, sponsorship. Uh, so if you've been injured in a car wreck uh, or on the job, and think you might be might deserve consul, uh, compensation, give Al, uh, Adam and his team a call at 512-280-0800 or visit him at lowylawfirm.com. Uh, they give a special free consultation to anyone and everyone. That's lowylawfirm.com. He's been in business for a couple of decades now and, and doing really well. Give him a shout, 512-280-0800. Okay, guys, we got more Oklahoma State Big 12 Championship uh, questions, so we're going to get right over to those. Archmania says, do you expect Gundy to do what he's always done as the underdog, try to make the game as ugly, chaotic, and controversial as possible with all kinds of antics? Yes. <laughs> That's a great – I mean, you just put it in, in words. Chaotic can mean to him, though, it can mean, you know, it's 10 to 7, or it can be 24 to 21. He just wants the game – the game's outcome in doubt in the fourth quarter. Right. That's what he wants more than anything because he is a tremendous clock manager, by yes. the way. Uh, he is among the best in college football at that. And that's one of the reasons why he's had a winning record in all but one of his seasons at Oklahoma State in the Big 12. I mean, amazingly, he's he is the oldest uh, tenured coach in the Big 12 and only has one losing season in all that time. And here's one more uh, aspect of this game, by the way, for the Texas side. <clears throat> We've been mentioning how much it meant for Sark to win at TCU after the season before and win at Iowa State after 30-7 to two years ago and Texas Tech last week after last season. Well, he's 0-2 against Gundy, and last year was a really ugly loss. So there's plenty of motivation outside of just winning the Big 12 championship for Sark in this one. He's been avenging some losses this season. Um, Alabama, after losing 2019 two years ago, he's been avenging some losses. I'm guessing uh, this is just the last check, a box to be checked for him. Very true. Uh, we have a lot of questions about the backup quarterback situation going into this game. This one from Brandon. And Brandon says, is Malik back at quarterback two for the championship game? I don't know about that. I, I I truly don't know, and I nobody's asked. I mean, here Brandon Hughes asking his arch QB two now. I don't know, um, and uh, I, I can't tell you that. I mean, based on what I saw, I don't know that Malik deserves to be number two. Um, arch has more. I mean, Malik just got injured again on the sidelines. I I don't know. We'll see. I mean, the question with Malik right now is not whether he's QB two. It's whether or not he's going to stay in Austin. I mean, that that is that is a legitimate question because I think that he's potentially going to be looking elsewhere. I know some people have mentioned Ohio State, Blake and Jerry. That's not where he's going to end up. He needs to end up at, I don't know, Cal or uh, 
San Diego State even. Utah, San Diego State. Um, yes. Some place where he can – UNLV, maybe Oregon State. Uh, places where he can go start and has a clear path. He's not going to have a clear path at Ohio State. I can tell you that much. Yeah. Because he's not better than what they currently have. Washington State when Cam Moore bounces. Yeah. By the way, how fun. They're saying West Coast schools, by the way, because he's from the West Coast. Yeah. Yeah. See who San Diego State. See, he needs to go play football at this point. That's a, he needs to go play football. He doesn't need to go get in another quarterback competition. That is not the, the correct path for him. He needs to go play football, um, in, in my opinion. I mean, look, uh, Hudson Card went to Purdue. He started. He didn't go get in a true quarterback competition. Um, that is the same thing that uh, uh, Malik uh, should be looking at if he hits the portal. Hey, maybe it's Mis- maybe it's Michigan State, maybe at something like that. I mean, we're not saying that he's not a high level, potentially D one quarterback by saying San Diego State and Cal and stuff like that. It's just that he needs a certain situation. He doesn't need to go into a situation where it's it's going to be heavy competition. Uh, by the way, a couple things. Uh, somebody saying Cam Ward has $10, million NL offers. I, I don't believe that. Um, so uh, somebody also asked about recruits at the game Saturday. Neither team can provide tickets to the game. Um, I, I don't think we're going to see as many kids at the game as maybe fans think. Um, look, high school playoffs. I mean, there that takes away some guys. Um Obviously, I think there will be a few kids that go to the game and end up going to the game, but Texas or nor Oklahoma State can provide tickets to the game. I guess we talked about Texas quarterback situation, but some people want to know about Alan Bowman and Horn 7 here wants to know the average distance for his passing touchdowns. Does he run it all? I'm not going to ask you about the average distance, but what can you tell us about Alan Bowman? Well, he's from uh, the Metroplex originally. Uh, you, most people will remember him for his time at Texas three years ago. Our time at Texas Tech. Yeah, Kingsbury. If y'all don't remember this, this was, uh, uh, man, I guess it was five years ago. Yeah, King- Kingsbury recruited him. Yeah, but he was he was the quarterback for right. Texas Tech. And Tom Herman went there uh, to Lubbock. Uh, Bowman was starting. Texas Tech was up by two scores with less than two minutes left. Well, Texas scored and then got an onside kick and then came back, completed the comeback, and beat Alan Bowman in Texas Tech. And Alan Bowman is famously remembered for doing the horns down on the sideline with like three minutes to go in the game. That's Alan Bowman, if you don't remember him. He goes back to Tom Herman uh, in Austin. Uh, or actually in Lubbock uh, when Texas uh, beat Texas Tech in overtime in that game. Uh, Zane Petty says that Gundy m- might run the ball 50 times in this game. He knows he has to try and control the clock and the ton of possession, time of possession. Sorry. I agree. I mean, look, he's, he's looking for a path to victory. That's all he's looking for. And that little, that dude will try to, to snake that any way he can. Um, Texas's best opportunity, in my opinion, is to squeeze the life out of it. Not let him just sit there and run the ball. Make Alan Bowman beat you. Make those receivers beat you. And not with screen passes, but downfield throws. I mean, Bowman is serviceable. Don't do not. And he's he's look, he's seven and one in his last eight starts. Yeah. I mean, he's not a bad quarterback. So I'm not. 
It's just you can't let the run game be dominant. And I would be highly surprised if Texas allows that, given Texas's run defense. Uh, we have a question uh, here about Ollie Gordon from Ricardo. And he says, Jerry, you mentioned Ollie as a poor man's Eddie George, but I see him maybe more Bobby Purify. Purify. Thoughts? He doesn't look as big as George. Yeah, I, I didn't mean size-wise, just running style-wise, those long arms, just kind of, kind of a little reminiscent of it. I think Ollie's probably 6'1 and a half, 215. So he's not Eddie George is 6'3, 230 at, at his max point. Um. I could say a couple of things here on that. I, I think one of them might be, um, you know, uh, some people ask me if he reminds me of Deontay Foreman, and he does not. Uh, Deontay is more of a bull with yeah. speed. Um, it still has good feet, don't get me wrong, or else he wouldn't last this long in the NFL or have rushed for 2,000 yards at Texas. Uh, but I, I feel like Gordon, Gordon has a little bit more natural running instinct uh, than most people would give him credit for, for a guy that is that big. Yeah. Like he, he is a natural running back, even though he is that big. Um, and he is very, very difficult to bring down one-on-one -on -one, or not necessarily bring down one-on-one, -on -one, but not bring down one-on-one -on -one and give up two extra yards when you do so. He's got a lot of body lean to him. You, you got to have backside lane discipline against him. Yes, he is a big cutback runner to Jerry's point. Big yeah. cutback runner. Uh, here's a question uh, from Bobby Brown. And he says, any news on you guys being in Arlington on Saturday? Is there a watch party? Would love to meet you guys. Bobby, I'm also going to let you tell everybody about y'all being at Terry Black's as well. <laughs> yeah, Jeff, Jerry has the hat right now. Um, we're going to be at Terry Black's on Friday from 3 to 4. We're doing a live stream. That's our normal Friday live stream. Uh, we'll be doing that. Uh, Rod Babers, Aaron Hogan also going to be on hand. Uh, as well, they're going to do a, a radio show that we'll be part of uh, from basically three to seven uh, is the, the time period on Friday. On Saturday morning, uh, I know Jerry is going to be out at Jay Gilligan's, I believe, uh, which is a uh, place near the uh, near the near the uh, Jerry World in Arlington that allows you to park your car and take a shuttle to the game. Their doors open at 8 a.m., uh, I believe. And so Jerry... Uh, and the guys will be there. Uh, I, I'm going to try to be doing the in-game in watch party as far as that is concerned. So we'll have to wait and see. But uh, if you have a chance, come out on Friday and meet us at Terry Black's for sure. Or Saturday morning at Jay Gilligan's. Corey J., great question here. I was actually going to say real quick before we get to that one, Jerry, I need to ask this for base Nate. He said, I've never been to a game at AT&T Stadium. How early should I arrive to park and get into the stadium at in time? Do not think you're gonna. It's gonna take thirty minutes. I <laughs> uh, think more like an hour. So if you're, I, look, you need to get there at least an hour and a half before, and plan to get there an hour and a half before, and then you may get in at about forty-five minutes before game time. These hey. special events are not like regular cowboy games. I'm just gonna put that out there because they don't. They're, they're, people don't know where they're going, so the lines back up longer, etc. So just remember that. What's the most you've ever paid for parking? Because you're about to pay the most. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> Alabama game. I paid fifty bucks for parking in more. the back of someone's house. This is going to be more. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, hey, real quick, we had a super chat from Derek Wisner, and he says, "Save me a seat at TV's. <laughs> See you there." 
I just, hope, I just hope you don't tackle like your nephew, man. Open <laughs> him up and give me a big bear hug and knock me down. A lot of contact power there. Oh, man. And then Britt Rasko, I think Jerry and I are on the same page, South Oak Cliff, on your question. No, I uh, think Joy. You got love, Joy. I, Parker Livingstone's uh, cleared to play. We'll make his return. Ah. So they have another weapon on offense. I, I'm, I'm, I may be wrong. I'm thinking Love Joy's going to win that game. I, mm, let me think about that. You, I, I, I went Port Neches last week. It would change my answer from you. So, hey, hey Blake, Blake, um, uh, who does Collinsville play? Somebody Comanche played this. Uh, the, Collinsville this week plays somebody Comanche play. Hold on, let me find it because I want to ask how good they are. They, um, is they have a kid named Adam Hill that plays linebacker and running back that's torching. Is it Toller? No, who won state last year? Is it Albany? Yeah, Albany. Yeah, that's it. it's Albany. They're good. They're 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 real good. I mean, for a a one a or two a team. Yeah, yeah. And he's a he's kind of a do it all guy. They're you know just a big team, but he's a heck of a player. He, no he's he's going to be one of those under recruited kids. He's a 6'2", 215 pound linebacker. Um, he's going to be one of those under recruited kids that'll end up going somewhere and end up portaling up in two or three years. He's a good player. Hey, Jerry. I don't know this, but Terrell Hennigan asking this question. Florida five-star safety Kamari Wilson in the portal. More or less likely that that influences Phil Same? No, I don't think it has anything to do with uh, Xavier Phil Same. Um, at this point, I think the ball is kind of in Texas court with Phil Same to get that thing to the finish line. We'll see. All right, Corey J with a great question, guys. He says, Jerry, what player on this Texas roster did you follow as a recruit that has exceeded your expectations so far in your college career? Bobby, I want you to think about an answer, too. I've got mine. <laughs> Go ahead. Baron Sorrell. Yeah. Unquestionably. Thought he would be a role player at best. Two, um, two and a half year starter. Uh, backbone. Key part of the defense for two consecutive years, shored up a position that needed shoring up unbelievably. And frankly, he continues to get better. I, yeah. I don't think you've seen the best of Baron Sorrell yet. He's going to be stronger next year if he keeps this up. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to go with one people wouldn't think. I'm going to go with JT Sanders as a tight end. Because uh, coming out of high school, he played outside receiver. Um, and he played edge, but he was always tired on defense because he played outside receiver and all, and he ran a bunch of vertical routes. So the guy legitimately at his size, that guy plays tired. Unless you caught him on the first two series of the game, you really weren't going to see him a hundred percent, but coming out of high school, you say, okay, he's got to learn a position and he's got to develop at a position. And no matter how talented he is, and he doesn't have the biggest catch radius. So he's had to overcome that as a tight end. Uh, I'm telling you, NFL combine size, they're going to be talking about it. He's not going to have the catch radius a lot of these other guys have. They're going to try to ding him on that. But even though he can still improve greatly as a blocker, I think he where he's gotten as a tight end, probably the second best tight end in the country if both those guys are healthy all season. Bowers is the best. I think is uh, he, he's gone above and beyond where I thought he'd be sooner because that's a tough position. It's people just like act like, okay, he's a bigger C. Let's just move him to the tight end. How many times does that really work out? I got to say this. This is a feather in Sark's cap. It's a five-star that ended up playing like a five-star. Yeah. Because when he came in, he was a five-star. You didn't know he was going to be tight end, defensive end, whatever, right, Jerry? Yeah. We knew he wanted to play offense. But he, he came in soft. Yeah. 
you know, and I don't mean mentally soft, just soft. And he took from November of his freshman year until last football season and completely remade his body. And he's continued to improve over time. He took, he took football seriously. And that's part of this development we talk about. You can get all this five-star talent you want in the world, Quinn Ewers included. But if you don't develop them, they stay. They're not really five stars at the end of the day because the five-star ranking is based on talent and where you think they'll be. It's a projection, not a this is where they're at today. And so uh, you have to develop those guys. And guys like Quinn, guys like C.J. Baxter, they're starting, Xavier Worthy, J.T. Sanders, Kelvin Banks, um, Derek Williams now, Anthony Hill. Those five stars are starting to produce for Texas. Yep. All right, Joe, we got time for a few more questions here. Lots of uh, portal talk, portal prospect talk. Steve O'Maddox says, Jerry, are there any names who have announced their portal intentions that you believe could be players of interest to Texas? I'm not going to have you name names specifically, but are there people out there they're keeping tabs on? Uh, yeah, for sure. There's, there's at least two or three. Jerry and I know a couple of them, and we can't say anything right now. How's that? Does that make y'all feel better? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, this, this next question here is from – oh, I just lost it. Oh, here we go. Eric76. He says, do you guys think the fifth round or later projection in the NFL draft versus NIL and starting in the SEC has guys staying that would normally leave for the NFL? I think that the, the NIL issue is a is a factor. It was a factor for a guy like Jordan Whittington this past year, um, Tavondre Sweat this past year. So I think it can be. I don't necessarily know that it will be. That that's the that's the that's the to be determined aspect of this. You know, the interesting thing is once you go from fourth to fifth, I think that's where the NIL decision is. So fifth round pick will sign a contract worth approximately four point two four million and receive a signing bonus of three hundred eighty five on average. I mean that's on average, but if you bump that up to a fourth round draft pick, that's a significant difference. So when we talk about that fifth round pick, got a chance, got a chance. But fourth round, the average salary has gone up in the NFL. I mean, it, it's, you know, your signing bonus is a fourth round picks between $700 and uh, $775,000 to start. I mean, that's, and it's Gary, it's normally a $4.72 million contract and signing bonuses this year expected to be over $800,000 for that position. And what if, and you're, you're thinking that you're going to be a fifth round. We all know fifth rounds often turn into seventh round yep. projections. Yep. That, that three to fourth, third, fourth round, I would tell all kids if you're if if you're going to be a third or fourth round guy, you go. I mean, that's that's just. I mean, I get what people. I get the fan side from the college football, but man, that's that's a lot of that's a lot it's of game changing. It's game changing money for families. Yeah, no doubt. All right, guys, we got time for one or two more questions, then we better get out of here. But Pablo the Colombian, while we're kind of on the subject, chances that majors and Collins come back in 2024, and is it 50 50? We're going to need them in Ann Arbor and. Ann Arbor and against the Bulldogs. Oh, well, I think it's more than 50-50 against for, for majors right now. I, I am leaning towards uh, thinking that he's more in that 75-80% range of coming back based on what I've heard. Alfred Collins 
Um, I'm going to lean to what Jerry has heard on this because I, I've, I've talked to different people and they've said different things. Jerry, do you have the, the latest on that one? No, I think there's I think there's a growing chance, uh, but we'll see. I mean, just the to think about what I just said about that number going from fourth, fifth round in the in the NFL draft. Well, a guy of his talent, if he, if he comes back and will maximize it, um, you know, you're you're talking about the NFL still really likes him, by the way. I mean, they like the upside. That's one of those guys they like to take and mold um in, into what they think he can be. Um, or you know, even though he hasn't got it done at the college level necessarily, maybe he had his best game Friday. Uh, but I think I think that's uh, I think there's a shot he comes back, but we'll see. All right, then one other prospect a lot of people asking about this one from Tom Rucker. He says regarding JT Sanders, he's an extraordinary talent, but with some injuries, he's had a less than stellar year. Do you think he stays at Texas? I mean, Bobby, you got a thought? I'd be surprised. I would be highly surprised on that one, Jerry. Highly, highly surprised. I, I feel like he is a he's destined to go to the NFL. I don't know that he has much more to prove other than if he wanted to come back and really work on his blocking, but I don't know that his blocking is ever going to be a calling card, right? And so that's something you could try to improve on in the pros. And, and let's just say this, a third round pick in the NFL draft, currently on average, signs a contract worth $5.85 million, signing bonus of $1.26 on average. Hmm. Okay, guys, this is going to be the last question for today while we're on the NFL Draft Talk. Corey J says, what's your percentage that Vondre Sweat gets drafted in the first round? Wow. 60%? Wow. Late, 60%? Late first? Man. I, you know, we need to have a draft guy. We had Matt Miller on uh, before the season. Uh, NFL draft guy for ESPN. We probably need to have them him on again or someone on again uh, to talk about this because I could see Sweat going in the first round because he makes some wow plays, but has he been consistent throughout his career and what does that matter? I don't know. I mean, I, I could see him being a first round guy because people bet on the come with him. I could also see him being a second round guy because people are a little concerned about his overall career consistency. Okay, guys. Hey, real quick, Jerry, Derek Wiseman wants you to know that he used to tackle like that. <laughs> as long as you don't Friday. <laughs> so, all right, Bobby, before we get out of here, what can folks expect later today right here on On Texas Football? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Eric Nolene, publisher of Inside Texas, and myself sit down to, today to talk about the state of the program. Uh, we'll we'll uh, go over – not only this uh, Big 12 game, but also portal recruiting news as well. Uh, and where we think Steve Sarkeesian has this group headed uh, going into Saturday's game. Uh, and then tonight, uh, Jerry, uh, you and I are off. It's Rod Babers and Justin Wells joining Ray Peters for the live stream. Uh, do that and more. Also, please hit that like button and subscribe if you don't mind. Uh, we are now over 28,000 subscribers to this channel. I mean, guys, we were at 7,000, I think almost like less than a year ago now. It has just been a meteoric rise. We appreciate you guys. Also, uh, check in on InsideTexas.com if you don't mind. A uh, lot of news and notes right now coming in. Uh, and you also get the very latest recruiting news. Obviously, we can't update every single recruiting news uh, in a video. 
That is breaking on Inside Texas. Instead, uh, go to InsideTexas.com. Use promo code OTFIT23. $1, special offer $1 for two months. You have to select the monthly offer to get that opportunity. That'll be it. All right. Well, thank ready you ready for Wednesday. <laughs> thank you all for tuning in to Coffee and Football presented by Adam Lowy and the Lowy Law Firm. We want to thank them for sponsoring today's show. Also, want to thank the co-op for uh, excuse me, Jerry made me laugh. The co-op for doing the 12 days of Christmas with us. So be sure to check that out. As Bobby said, we would also appreciate if you'd hit that like and subscribe button if you haven't already. And until tomorrow morning, for Bobby Burton and, J and Jerry Hamilton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you then. Hook up. <laughs>